How about that for a scripture reading, huh? You know, one of the reasons to love the wisdom literature is that they don't mince words. I think the Bible passages that are most troubling to us aren't the ones that we don't understand. It's the ones that most understand us. It's the ones that tell it to us straight. The book of Proverbs is filled with passages like these, and they give us practical ways to live life as God intends and to avoid the ways of sin and harm. In fact, after reading today's scripture passage, I couldn't help but think of the classic comic strip Goofus and Gallant that's been a standard feature of the Highlights magazine for children for for many years. You know what I'm talking about? I used to read them uh, as a child every time I, I picked one up in the waiting room of my pediatrician, and the first page I would turn to would be Goofus and Gallant. It was often a two-panel strip depicting two boys, one named Goofus and the other Gallant, and, and they would be demonstrating two approaches to the same situation. Goofus was always careless and reckless, and Gallant was always noble and virtuous. One example said, Goofus runs with scissors pointing up, Gallant walks with scissors pointing down. Or Goofus says, let me see it. Gallant says, may I see it, please? Or Goofus bosses his friends. But Gallant asks them, what do you want to do next? I mean, it was simple and clear moral formation every time. And it's a lot like passages like these in Proverbs. In fact, you might imagine simply substituting the word Goofus for fool and gallant for wise in these verses, and it would be a lot like reading a copy of Highlights magazine. Like verse 13, Goofus is trapped by the transgressions of his lips, but gallant escapes from distress. Or verse 15, Goofus sees his own way as right, but gallant listens to advice. Or verse 18, Goofus chatters on like a stabbing sword, but gallant's tongue heals. You get the idea. I discovered something pretty interesting, though, about Goofus and Gallant this past week. It it turns out there's been a popular theory that in the comic strip, Goofus and Gallant are actually the same kid. Rich Wallace, a former editor of Highlights Magazine, said, I've theorized that they are two sides of the same kid. Over the years, the cartoonists have tried to clarify that they are two separate children by, by giving them two different parents and sometimes appearing in the same panel, interacting with each other directly. Still, often the editors will write a comment in the corner of the strip that says, there's some of Goofus and Gallant in us all. Well, that would change the way we read Proverbs like these, wouldn't it? Because suddenly it's not so much a matter of comparing two different kinds of people as much as it would be about describing the wise and the foolish within each one of us. I think that's helpful because our temptation would be to to externalize the goofus in, in other people and see ourselves as the gallant in everything we do, when in reality, Not only is there a little bit of goofus and gallant within each one of us, but here's an even wilder thought. The more we try to be like gallant, the greater the likelihood that we actually become goofus. I think Carl Jung would agree with that. The great psychologist might describe the gallant and goofus within each one of us as the the psyche and the unconscious. 
The psyche constitutes the conscious parts of our personality. It's how we process our thoughts and our feelings and make conscious and subconscious decisions. But in order for there to be a psyche, there has to be an, an unconscious, the place where the bad feelings go, the, the place where the rejected choices go, the, where the, the hurt and the pain and the sadness go. In other words, according to Jung, in order to have a gallant within us, we have to have a goofus somewhere in the shadows. And the question is, what happens to those shadows? Well, those shadows become like the old tapes that keep replaying in your mind that, that haunt you with heartache and suffering from your past. And the more you keep pushing and pushing forward to be like Gallant, the more you can actually push those, those goofus messages deeper and deeper into your unconscious, giving them more and more power and louder and louder volume in your life. Now, I, I'm not a therapist, but I can tell you that in working on myself for over 20 years with my own therapists, I've learned that every time I try to be more like Gallant, I also have to work on what to do with that corresponding goofus. We all do. Because if we don't, the harder we work to become more like Gallant, the easier it becomes to actually become more like Goofus. That's the cruel irony. Carl Jung coined a word uh, that I first heard 15 years ago that has utterly transformed the way I see myself. The word is enantiodromia. It comes from two Latin words, enantio, meaning running, and dromia, meaning opposite, running into the opposite. Simply means that the more you single-mindedly obsess with developing a particular trait or, or achieving some kind of accomplishment, the more likely you are of actually becoming the exact opposite of what you're pursuing. In other words, if you are so focused on being gallant, you might actually become goofus instead. Imagine, for example, a person who is so focused on accumulating knowledge that they become ignorant of how to relate to other people. The wise literally become foolish. Or the person that is so obsessed with reputation and success that they turn into a failure in their family. Or the person that is so focused on living a healthy lifestyle that they develop an unhealthy sense of control and self-judgment. I once had a therapist tell me that what I had to do was not to repress or ignore my shadows, but to learn to dance with my shadow. To not repress the hurt and the pain and the sadness, but to be brave enough to call them forth out of the shadows, to name them, to talk to them and engage them. Because the more I pushed them down, the more powerful they became and the greater the possibility that I would become the very shadows that I was running from. Classic enantiodromia. Don't become the opposite of what you pursue. So that means embracing your shadow. So what if Proverbs is telling us today, for example, that if you really want to be wise, then acknowledge how little you really know. If you really want to be known by others, then pursue the path of humility and not pride. If you really want to live your life, then embrace your own mortality. If you really want peace in your life and in the world, then embrace conflict and don't run from it. If you really want to be helpful to others, then learn to accept help from others. If you really want to succeed, 
then embrace moments of failure as windows of grace. If you really want joy in your life, then don't hide from the pain. If you really want to empower others, then acknowledge your own weaknesses. If you want a new sense of hope in your life, then name your fears and turn them into teachers. You know, I can't say that Jesus would have known the term enantiodromia, but he sure did know a lot about the dangers of becoming the very opposite of what you pursue. That's why he said things like, the first will be last and the last will be first, or or those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, they'll find it. And, And I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And what if, what if these principles could also apply to our relationships with others and the collective hurt and pain and suffering that we're feeling right now in our communities and in this country? What if this pandemic is teaching us that if we really want to care for other people, we have to make sacrifices of ourselves in terms of wearing masks and social distancing? What if the best way to overcome racism in our society is by acknowledging our own privilege and our own racism? And what if rather than repressing those tendencies down deeper into our unconscious, we lift them up into the beautiful discomfort of God's grace? If you haven't read the book White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, it's it's once again a national bestseller, and I encourage you to read it. Among her important points is this, to confront racism, it is not enough to just be nice to people. It's not enough to just be pleasant with people who look different from you or believe differently than you because because just being nice, as important as that is, simply represses or ignores the shadow side of racism. Instead, we have to courageously lean into the discomfort with others to be willing to have the hard conversations with other people because it is only listening to the hurt and pain and sadness that we can learn to dance with the shadow of America's greatest original sin. If you read my midweek message last week, you, you read about a new justice group that has formed in the church. Its purpose will be to create these kinds of gatherings and events where we can do the hard work of dancing with the shadows of injustice and inequality and racism. They've also partnered with the Hillsborough Organization for Progress and Equality. And if if you'd like to be part of their first organizational meeting, it takes place on Monday, June 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Information is is on the screen if you'd like to find out more. You know, I, I don't know what shadows you may have. We all have them. And I certainly know I do. But the good news is God's grace is enough to help us dance with them and to not make them stronger. So may your transformation come from resurrection, not repression. And may God bless you in this holy work. Let's pray. God, your your spirit encourages us and convicts us in this holy pursuit of love. Help us to name our shadows rather than repress them and lift them up into the beautiful discomfort of your grace. Strengthen us as we embrace our weakness. Grant your wisdom as we acknowledge our ignorance and give us hope as we name our fears. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.